Good afternoon and welcome to the latest episode of the Mies Energy podcast. My name is Jamie Ingram, Senior Editor at Mies, and I'm delighted to be joined today from Nicosia in Cyprus by Peter Stevenson, our East Mediterranean Editor. How are you, Pete? I'm fine, thank you, Jamie. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, very good, thanks. Well, um, as we look at the energy markets, uh, there's no sign of an end to the incredible levels of volatility that have been unleashed by the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. And EU countries are coming under growing pressure to end their addiction to Russian gas. Not just is this a clear strategic vulnerability, but there is also considerable discomfort that European states are transferring billions of dollars of revenue to Russia in return for the gas. Uh, just recently, the US and European Commission announced a task force to reduce Europe's dependence on Russian fossil fuels. Uh, the US announced that it will work with international partners and strive to ensure additional LNG volumes to the EU market of at least 15 billion cubic meters in 2022. Now, given that this is only around 10% of the 155 billion cubic meters that EU states imported from Russia in 2021, it's clear that this is just a drop in the ocean and that it won't come anywhere close to replacing Russian gas supplies. Um, if we look at the US, gas exports from there to Europe have certainly increased of late, but that's more to do with economic realities than political directives. Simply put, gas prices in Europe are so high that supplies are being pulled away from other markets to the continent. Coupled with the startup of new US LNG export facilities earlier this year, and it's no surprise that flows have surged. Kepler figures show that US LNG exports overall and to Europe specifically hit record highs last month. Of the 7.3 million tonnes that the US exported in March, 5.6 million tonnes went to Europe. The worrying thing for Europe is that this is happening while imports of gas from Russia remain very high. So rather than replacing Russian gas, this is simply supplementing it. And it's hard to see scope for many further near-term increases from the US or elsewhere, no matter how many political directives are issued. So that's the near-term picture. Longer term, Europe's renewed focus on energy security should result in a boom in LNG export projects around the world. One basin that could capitalise in particular is the East Med, where it feels like Cyprus has been on the cusp of developing its gas reserves for a decade now. Pete, you've been speaking with policymakers in Cyprus on this very topic, so what's the feeling there? Yeah, um, I caught up last week with uh, Dimitris Fesas, he's the acting Director General of uh, Cyprus's State Hydrocarbons Company. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the energy transition, Cyprus's role in the East Mid Gas Forum, uh, the upstream picture here in Cyprus, but we also discussed, as you were alluding to, the, the impact of the current Russian invasion of Ukraine and what, that, what, what that's having on, on regional gas markets. Great. Well, let's hear that conversation then. Thanks, Peter. And uh, first of all, thanks very much for the um, uh, the opportunity to participate uh, on uh, on this call. Uh, indeed, yeah, there is um, uh, there's a lot of the things happening uh, um, at the moment. Obviously, at the forefront of everyone's mind is the uh, Russian invasion into the Ukraine and uh, and and the crisis, and it's going to have uh, it is having uh, an impact uh, at the moment. Um, and uh, for sure, it's going to have some medium-term and, and long-term impacts. Um, 
I think it's worth starting off with recognizing in terms of the uh, the energy market, specifically in uh, in the EU. Um, we were even before the Ukraine crisis, we were experiencing a lot of uh, volatility and high prices as we were coming out of uh, out of the COVID. Um, uh, there is all the, the, there is also and there was also uh, the uh, EU leading the way on the energy transition and what impact that was uh, having on on the market. So it's good to recognise that the uh, there was um, issues around the uh, the energy markets before the crisis and for sure the, the Ukraine crisis has, has uh, exacerbated the uh, the uh, the issues. Um, uh, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine is indeed a, a tragedy um, and in terms of the energy markets the the EU is um, putting together uh, a response and it's uh, specifically uh, revisiting issues around energy security uh, and uh, also seeing how they can um, manage uh, within that the uh, existing targets or even look to accelerate the targets for the energy transition. So in terms of the, the EU's approach and uh, obviously Cyprus being part of the EU, we're very cognizant of uh, the approach that the EU wants to take. And it's uh, developing its strategy for the short, the medium and, uh, and the long term. Um, I think within that, we think that the East Med gas supply is uh, well placed to be part of the solution. Uh, so for example, some of the items that the EU Commission is uh, looking to propose as part of the uh, Repower EU initiative, uh, things like uh, diversification of uh, gas supply and routes, um, contingency planning on behalf of the EU around security of supply, uh, and also enhancing connectivity with the immediate uh, neighbourhood. So these are some of the um, uh, the uh, I picked there some of the points from this uh, uh, initial plan that the the EU has, uh, and as I mentioned, uh, the East Med being close proximity to uh, the EU, it's in a good position to be uh, a reliable supplier to uh, to the EU. Okay, um, uh, let me ask you a kind of follow up on that though. I mean, with Cyprus's gas discoveries today, uh, we've got two, three, depending on how we classify Calypso. Um, could you see the EU uh, possibly subsidizing or finding uh, a way to promote the development of those gas discoveries um, to help eventually Europe? Uh, diversify its, its uh, supply? I think for sure they'll be looking at ways to incentivize uh, uh, the diversification of uh, supply routes. Um, and that can come in, in a number of ways. Obviously, there's issues around um, uh, infrastructure. So I think in uh, in the past, uh, we've seen lots of support for uh, investments for uh, regasification facilities. And a classic example is uh, in Cyprus also, where we've uh, we've had EU grant support for the 
regasification facility in Cyprus. So the EU in the past has um, uh, helped uh, the funding of key infrastructure. There's also the East Med pipeline, which is uh, still a, a project of common interest that the EU is supporting in terms of the um, the study work that's uh, happening now. And that's looking to uh, progress and complete those studies by the end of the year. Uh, that's the infrastructure part. In terms of the um, the, the the market it, itself, uh, and there's been some signals from the EU around um, collective agreements for uh, gas purchasing. Uh, and again, that's in, in a situation where the market, I mentioned before, the Ukraine crisis, there was still uh, there was a lot of volatility um, in, uh, in, in the markets. Uh, and with the EU uh, transition goals, um, there is, I would say, less incentive from the wholesale buyers uh, to commit to long-term contracts. Uh, now, uh, with the Ukraine crisis and looking at this diversification of uh, supply, um, further work, which the EU is signaling on the purchasing of gas, will also help further support uh, the um, uh, long-term purchasing of gas, which in itself supports the investment decisions for the midstream and the upstream to support that supply. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, moving to the upstream, uh, we've just seen uh, the Glaucus appraisal wells just wrapped up and the drill ships headed off. The minister, the energy minister, said last week that she was expecting developments regarding Cyprus's offshore discoveries soon and in the near future. Um, we've recently seen somewhat of a hiatus on offshore drilling and activity over the last two years. I mean, that's understandable considering the pandemic and the oil price uh, collapse that, that ensued. But do you think that the recent recovery in oil prices and gas prices, of course, and, and Europe, Europe's imminent thirst for non-Russian gas could and should uh, encourage the firms that are active in Cyprus's offshore, Chevron, any Total, uh, Total Energies as they're called now, ExxonMobil, to possibly be more incentivized and to to look for for ways to develop the the gas that they've they've discovered offshore Cyprus. I think, I think to, to answer that question, I'll, I'll frame it in terms of the the momentum uh, into what uh, what we're doing. So you know yourself being based on on the island uh, towards the end of twenty nineteen, where we. Uh, we issued the first exploitation license in Cyprus for Aphrodite, and then we were going into 2020 with quite, a, uh, quite an extensive uh, appraisal and, and drilling program. I think it was up to five well plans going into 2020, and then uh, we had the, uh, the the impact of the the, the COVID pandemic, where we had, as you mentioned, the uh, postponement of some of the drilling activities. I think globally, a general uh, hold back on investment from the uh, from the IOCs. 
Um, the momentum is back, uh, as you mentioned. The Glafkos uh, appraisal drilling has just uh, has just been concluded. We've got plans for ENI in total to drill in 2022. And um, uh, as you'll know, during the the pandemic, we had the takeover of Noble by Chevron, and they're they're reassessing the uh, the plan for Aphrodite, uh, and we're uh, imminently waiting for them to. Uh, come and tell us the uh, the next steps for Aphrodite, which could include um, some uh, uh, ways to collaborate or cooperate with existing uh, infrastructure uh, in Egypt. Um, so our momentum is 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 back, and the timing of that momentum coming back uh, is good for Cyprus, and we are seeing. Uh, obviously, in, uh, in in the market, some good uh, price support for uh, energy prices, uh, and we expect that to be maintained in in the medium term. the The long term fundamentals for natural gas and LNG, in particular, even in a energy transition, various energy transition scenarios, is is good. Um, volatility is. Uh, uh, could be an issue of concern for investors, as I mentioned uh, previously. <clears throat> and um, the uh, the other aspect of that, which I mentioned previously, is around the specifically for the EU, the the marketing structure regarding long term uh, gas contracts to support the upstream and midstream projects. But as I mentioned, the EU is signaling that it's recognizing that and seeing how to facilitate that. So. The uh, momentum is uh, back with us. Uh, we uh, we are looking at the uh, IOCs uh, continuing to invest in Cyprus with uh, drilling and supporting the other work that's uh, that's required. Um, so the uh, I would say it's um, uh, quite a positive uh, uh, outlook, um, uh, but there's still work to be done. Very great. Um, how do you see uh, Cyprus's uh, chairing of the East Mediterranean Gas Forum this year impacting that as well? I mean, uh, it could be a pivotal year, like you say, the momentum's back, uh, could be more uh, drilling. Do you think Cyprus's position within that forum uh, could contribute to helping develop uh, the, the gas fields um, how else could it possibly contribute to Cyprus's upstream ambitions? Yeah, so it's, uh, I'm not sure it's more as a fact for Cyprus, but uh, collectively uh, it's good for all the members of the EMGF that they have founded the EMGF and it, uh, it exists. So it's a relatively newly established entity. Um, it has clear goals in terms of uh, developing a competitive regional gas industry and a regional market. Uh, but it's for the collective benefit of, of its members and has the potential to benefit um, uh, beyond that. Uh, Cyprus is chairing the uh, EMGF this year and coincidentally CHC is also the vice chair of the gas industry advisory committee uh, this is the 
part of the EMGF, that's the uh, uh, where the industry participates such that it can uh, have um, a way of uh, communicating and uh, recommending um, the uh, certain policies that will further encourage uh, the right investment from uh, from the industry. Um, to to achieve its its goals, the the EMGF is working towards aligning the the regional policies, um, and like I said, it's this alignment of policies uh, that is going to enable all the countries, including Cyprus, uh, to benefit from uh, more gas being produced, more gas to be transported and exported, and generally more natural gas uh, to be available to displace heavier emitting sources of energy, which feeds into the uh, energy transition objectives that uh, we all uh, aspire to. Um, let's move on to what's on everyone's lips these days, uh, the energy transition. It's in full flow and progress is being made um, on interconnectors between Israel and Cyprus, Cyprus and Egypt. Uh, is, is CHC also eyeing a shift uh, of focus to possibly more renewable energies, moving, shifting away from oil and gas? Um, what, what sort of plans could that include? Or will CHC focus more on minimizing the carbon intensity if and when it uh, finally develops the gas uh, discoveries offshore Cyprus? Yeah, I would say it's more the, the when than the if, uh, Peter. But um, you're right that the, uh, the focus has been primarily in supporting the Cyprus government in the development of our offshore natural gas resources. And a key element of that has been, I would say, even up to about three, four years ago, where we started looking at the impact of the energy transition uh, was around the uh, assessments of uh, the carbon intensity of our future offshore developments and uh, recognizing that minimizing that carbon intensity uh, can also lead to the natural gas being produced produced to be more competitive and that's when you include the um, policies around uh, carbon uh, taxing um, uh, the, the eu ts eu emissions trading system as it's called in uh, in the um what impact that might have on investment decisions for any uh, future projects so we have been um i would say in the in the in the recent past just focused uh, on that and we've done lots of work on that um uh, working on uh, the maturity of technologies and uh, applying that technology and that, how that could be applied uh, to our uh, future uh, gas developments um it's uh, it's the case for us that it's because you're going to be starting something new, you can hardwire in uh, a lot of these applications from the beginning rather than it being a, a mature a brownfield area where you're trying to shoehorn in uh, and adapt uh, the way you are uh, um, producing the oil or gas to, to accommodate this. Okay, so some uh, 
Yeah, some really interesting bits there. Thanks, Pete. Um, and I think that, as Dimitri says, global gas markets were already tight even before the Ukraine invasion. Um, and it seems that Cyprus is confident that momentum is returning to the industry generally, but also in particular to the Cypriot upstream sector. I mean, do you agree with that assessment from everything that you're seeing? Well, looking at it from uh, the perspective here here in Cyprus, uh, yes, uh, it's it's an exciting time. and It looks like some key decisions are going to be made very soon. It's just what those key decisions are going to be. If, if we look at ExxonMobil, they've, they've recently just wrapped up drilling uh, an appraisal well at, at the Galapagos, uh, the Discovery, 5, 5 to 8 TCF 2019 Discovery. So we're, we're waiting to hear back uh, from ExxonMobil on, on what on what their, their findings are there. And then beyond that, there's any uh, and Total, who prior to the, the COVID pandemic had been planning to to drill seven or eight wells offshore Cyprus and and uh, as Dimitris alluded to there that you know that they have alleged plans to drill later this year now things that things that I've been hearing are not as uh, not as uh, as good as, as that let's say uh, not as confident I think some of the the the, the murmurs have been that any has been looking to maybe farm out some of the, its blocks there, and uh, also Total and and any uh, looking to delay drilling for as long as they can. Now, how long they can keep pushing drilling back with oil prices now above a hundred dollars per barrel, and the, you know relaxations from COVID uh, coming into force. So you know, no, there's no trouble in, in getting personnel onto the island for any drilling campaigns uh, it remains to be seen and then ahead uh, I mean beyond that we've we've also got Chevron who as again as, as Dimitri said uh, are going to be on the island I think they're expecting a delegation sometime in May to let them know what their plan is for Aphrodite I mean Cyprus was was unlucky here in 2019 when when Noble and and Delek at the time and Shell, the partners at Aphrodite, managed to renegotiate uh, the production sharing contract with with uh, with Cyprus to finally get Aphrodite gas out of the ground after it was discovered in in late 2011. Um, then we had the COVID pandemic here and uh, subsequent oil price collapse and and all of the uncertainty that came with that and and then you had Chevron take over Noble and. That they went back to the drawing board to look at the the development plan. It was all kind of very uh, put things in reverse. Let's put it, put it that way for Cyprus. So you know we are expecting some some news. We're hoping it's good news. We're hoping uh, Chevron has found a way to include Aphrodite development in what what looks like the the next phase of of development of its giant Leviathan field next door in Israel. But um, I guess time time will tell at this stage. So, I mean, one thing you said there was, you know, a lot of key decisions to be made in the near term. Is that solely from a corporate perspective, or is this also decisions that we're waiting on from government for on you know on a regulatory basis? No, I mean, I think for, for Cyprus, it's it's very much uh, let's let's get things let's get things moving. I think there's there's no no delay. Or bureaucratic delay 
in in Cyprus at the minute. I think they're they're waiting for the companies to 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 make a decision on on what their plans are and what their long term plans are. And uh, yeah, so I think we're waiting on the companies. It's more of a a corporate decision at, at this stage. So I guess it depends on what those companies see as making a profit that for the, for them and and what potential there are for discoveries. So you know, with Exxon drilling Glaucus, Glaucus, pardon me. Um, it depends on the on the size of the the of, of the prospect. So they they were assuming five to eight TCF, and Exxon's preferred option they've said is to build a, a land-based LNG plant onshore Cyprus. Now those those sorts of volumes can't really justify uh, building a land-based LNG uh, facility here in, in Cyprus. So what's the next option? The next option would be possibly looking towards towards Egypt. Now Egypt and Cyprus have, have got um, unitization agreements. They've got They've got uh, intergovernment agreements, so there, there won't, there shouldn't be any blocking, anything to block uh, possible, uh, possibly sending uh, gas from from Block Ten to to Egypt. While for Cyprus and Israel, things aren't as uh, clear cut. There isn't a unitization agreement, and there's still some form of dispute uh, between the Aphrodite partners. Uh, in Block Twelve and, and the Ishai partners in, in Israel in Israeli waters. I mean, there's no dispute that some of Aphrodite does lie uh, in Israeli waters. It's just uh, the volumes. So there are there are certainly some governmental decisions that that need to be taken. But uh, I think mainly we are looking at corporate decisions here rather than than uh, than political ones. Okay. Um, one of the things that he said as well was kind of just that, you know, the East Med and Cyprus in particular are well placed to be kind of part of the solution of the EU's energy security concerns. You know, obviously proximity to to the key European markets is obviously better from uh, f- from Cyprus than it is bringing LNG across from Australia, the US or Qatar. Um, do you think that, you know, you kind of touched on it there, the possibility of Exxon having a land-based um, LNG export facility on Cyprus or versus the option of going exporting through Israel or straight um, via Egypt's facilities. So do you think that development of Cyprus, uh, Cyprus's gas is likely to be through domestic facilities or kind of part of a, a unified regional hub? Or could we perhaps see um, Aphrodite going through Egypt and then some of the other discoveries going straight off from Cyprus, you know, kind of a mixed uh, mm-hmm. development? Uh, well, I mean, we're still waiting on on any to to drill an appraisal well at, the, at their discovery, the the Calypso discovery, which was made a year before Galapagos, so in twenty eighteen. Um, so they could possibly aggregate all of the the discoveries and and bring them on shore. Um, it's it's a bit of a long shot at the minute, I think. Uh, I mean, especially when when there seems to be uh, a rush. Should we put it that way for for gas? Uh, Cyprus itself is burns diesel in its own power in its own power plants. It does have plans to uh, to more a, a floating storage and regasification unit offshore here, where they they would import the natural gas. But those plans have been delayed, and it doesn't look like that will be uh, 
uh, operational until maybe 2024. Um, so uh, I think, I mean, to answer, try to answer your question, what would, what's the most, the most likely scenario? The most likely scenario is probably tying them into the already existing facilities uh, offshore, in, in, sorry, on, on the coast in, in Egypt, uh, Idku and Damietta for now. But uh, beyond that, Chevron does have plans for a floating LNG facility, possibly as the next phase of its Leviathan project, and and volumes could could potentially be tied in there as well. But again, that's that's something that's still in its infancy. Uh, the the companies that are that are in Leviathan, they've they've still yet to decide on on what their plans are. I mean, one of their plans is also to pipe gas to to Egypt as well to Itku possibly. Um, and then, of course, there's there's the, the other option that that has been brought back onto the table in recent weeks, which is uh, piping gas to Turkey. Uh, so, I mean, for, for Cyprus, that that would be unthinkable to an extent. But uh, who knows? I mean, I, I've said it before. And so, go on. Sorry. I was just going to say, you know, we've had some pretty unthinkable developments in the region in recent years. Certainly no one would have guessed about uh, the UAE normalizing relations with uh, with Israel. Uh, well, exactly, yeah. As, as they did, and then Mubadla farming into key Israeli assets as well. And that's that, that was unthinkable just two, well, exactly. three years ago. If, if someone had told you that two, three years ago, you would have you would have admitted them into to an insane asylum, possibly. I think it's... Um, you know, and and when it comes to Israel, it's it's never say never. I think in over the last five years, let's say, I mean, look at the gas to Egypt. Plenty of people were were saying that's never going to happen. Uh, Egypt won't, won't would never accept uh, importing gas from Israel. Look at what happened in twenty twelve, and when gas flew uh, flowed the, in, in the opposite direction, Egyptian politicians were put in jail for for it. So uh, people certainly doubted that it could happen, and then. Then it did happen, and then we moved on to the next. But surely, you know, they won't. The gas to Jordan won't happen either. And then that that happened, and like you said, the Mubadla uh, farming to to Tamar happened, and people were, were were gobsmacked again. And and Israel's improving ties with with its Arab neighbors and opening up uh, further opportunities. So, I mean, on the on the surface of it, a pipeline from Leviathan to to Turkey. That goes through the Cypriot uh, exclusive exclusive economic zone looks unlikely. Let's put it that way. But you know, never say never. Never say never. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy as well that Cyprus is looking to monetize its its gas assets while also you know, kind of moving towards importing gas as well. So I mean, it's I guess you know the good thing for Cyprus at the moment is that they're not dependent on any Russian gas supplies. You know, the bad thing is that they're they're burning diesel instead. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, was there anything else either. kind of in in particular that stood out to you from from what Demetrius said? Well, I mean, it's 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 a positive note that Cyprus is is looking to carbon capture. I mean, the energy transition is is what's on everyone's everyone's lips at the, at the moment uh, and it makes it a lot easier that Cyprus doesn't have anything currently developed uh, therefore they, they can implement those kind of uh, carbon capture uh, technologies into any any new developments but the the, the, the man on the street 
is uh, is paying for it out of his pocket at the minute. You know, uh, Cyprus is paying heavy heavy fines to the EU for not meeting its uh, its carbon uh, carbon goals. Uh, electricity prices are, are sky high at the minute. Uh, prices at the pump are sky high at the minute. Um, and yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be uh, much hope on the horizon. I mean, let's say 2024 is when Cyprus could potentially start importing uh, LNG, but uh, other countries are looking to you know increase their renewables uh, uh, in, uh, to to 50% of their of their fuel mix, while Cyprus is still scrambling around trying to to import LNG. It does feel like they they have slightly missed the boat here, but you know things change very quickly as as we've seen in, in the last couple of months. And, uh, maybe, maybe Europe's need for for natural gas could push policymakers to to help subsidise part of the development of of these uh, of these gas fines. Uh, who knows? I guess I guess we'll see. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know what Dimitris was saying about you know Cyprus being able to install some of these carbon capture f- technologies and other things to mitigate carbon emissions you know because it's it's greenfield facilities rather than uh, retrofitting existing facilities uh, they you know to some extent whether that quite makes up for the lengthy delays in cyprus moving towards getting this off the ground is is another question but it's certainly something that you you hear whenever you talk to to anybody in the industry so you know um, let's look at, at, at qatar they're obviously massively expanding their LNG facilities, and they they are very much talking the, a good game about how these are going to be the cl- cleanest facilities in the world. And you know, speaking to people with to do with Egypt as well, you know, they're talking. You know, I've certainly spoken to figures there saying that if uh, they move with the direct LNG facilities themselves, that uh, they're bragging about how low emission the gas there is, and about how they can make sure that uh, any export facilities will be similarly uh, low carbon footprints it's going to be a key marketing tool going forward i think is um, the ability to say look not all hydrocarbons are bad ours is the cleanest on the market so come buy from us yeah of course and and i think places like egypt and qatar that they set their own goals for themselves as opposed to having the eu over their shoulders so to an extent you know uh, they can boast about what, what they do, but on the other hand, I think uh, no one's no one's pushing them to do it. So it is a positive, positive note. There. Well, uh, we'll end it on a positive note for Cyprus and its nascent LNG industry. Obviously, uh, we'll see whether they are able to capitalise on the uh, European market's uh, renewed desire for energy security, um, and see how that meshes with uh, individual countries. Um, energy transition goals uh, whether the LNG can get a renewed lease of life so Peter Stevenson thank you very much for uh, for joining us today and uh, yeah great chat uh, with, with CHC thanks Jamie